Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm Chad Dotson. With me today is uh, the guru of Reds minor leagues uh, discussion. It's our friend Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I'm pretty good. How you doing, Chad? Uh, doing well, doing well. This, uh, this Reds team's been fun. And, and we can talk about the, the, the big league Reds some uh, as we go on here, but uh, I want to dig into the minor leagues with you here. You know, we're the season's well underway, and the Reds are, uh, you know, doing well on the major league level, but also so much to be excited about on the minor league level. Uh, any, any just sort of overarching thoughts on the Reds' system and, and, and how well they're going to help us uh, stock the Major League Club over the next few years? How, how confident are you in this group of minor leaguers? Well, I, I think that we're kind of in a weird spot right now. Uh, when you look at the farm system as a whole, you're kind of, I, I don't want to say underwhelmed, but if you're only focusing on guys that are considered quote-unquote prospects, it's not quite as strong as it has been because we've seen a lot of these guys come up to the major leagues and graduate. You know, I mean, Dilson Herrera technically doesn't count as a prospect. Neither does Jose Peraza. Uh, Robert Stevenson just graduated. Uh, Scott Shevler just graduated. You know, you've got you've got these guys that are young and performing at the big league level. Um, so that, that kind of comes into play a little bit. But I, I think when you look at the guys that are on the farm right now, uh, there's definitely plenty of guys to be excited about. Uh, some guys we've seen step forward this year and take big strides in short periods of time already. Uh, and really only one or two guys have really taken a step backwards so far this year. You know, it kind of reminds me, or maybe I'm just looking to see this, but of, of the time when when Jay Bruce and Joey Vallo and Homer Bailey, as you say, graduated to the major leagues. The Reds had one of the top farm systems in baseball, and then all of a sudden, after a couple of years, they're you know middle of the pack or, or, or bottom half. And it's because the farm system did its job. It supplied the major league team with talent. I guess I'm hopeful that we're starting to see some of that uh, talent filter into Cincinnati. And we have seen so much young talent this year. Goodness, uh, Reds have had more players make their major league debut than any other team. So uh, a lot of names to, to be excited about. I want to talk about one that hasn't played in the, in the major leagues and is maybe, well, I don't know how close he is, but one of the guys that's on everyone's mind. I wanted to ask you your thoughts on him and how he started this season. And that's Nick Senzel, uh, I think the consensus number one prospect in the Reds organization. He uh, was the number one draft pick last year out of the University of Tennessee, third baseman, and uh, had sort of a rough start, as I believe, but has come on very strong lately. Am I right about that? You are. He, uh, he's, he's one for four tonight with a double as we're recording this, uh, two RBI. So, you know, he, he's having a decent night tonight. Um, you know, he, he did start off a little bit slow. He's up to 286 on the season right now, you know, solid on base percentage. Um, he's actually walked nearly as often as he struck out over the past month. But at the first couple weeks of the season, he, he really did have a I – I don't want to say that he was being too aggressive because I didn't see him in person playing. But when you look at the numbers, you know, it didn't seem like the guy that we all saw last year who pretty much walked as often as he struck out. Um, but he, he's turned things around, and uh, reports are that he is swinging much better. Um, he, he seems more confident at the plate right now. So, um, you know, you mentioned he's the top prospect in the system. Baseball America actually released their uh, updated top 100 prospects in all of baseball list this morning, uh, and Nick Senzel was up to number six on the list, I believe. So, very highly touted guy. I think that everybody agrees he's the number one prospect in the system. So. Um, 
probably still another year away, which with Eugenio Suarez playing like he is now, you know, <laughs> there's no need to rush Nick Senzel anywhere. Um, and then, I mean, that's going to bring up a whole different set of issues that maybe we want to touch on later uh, as to, you know, maybe what the Reds are going to have to do to try and get two guys like that in the lineup. But, hey, when you've got that kind of talent, you know, you're either going to find a way to make it work or, you know, you can make a trade with one of the guys and get back something that you do need that's going to be very valuable given the, the talent that those two players would have. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, having too many talented players is never a, never going to be a problem. You know, I look at Sinzel and he's, he's 21 years old. Uh, he's at high A now. He'll be at double A, I imagine, uh, at some point this season. And so uh, at that point you're on the cusp of being a big league guy. And, and again, just 21. My opinion, uh, let's go ahead and dig into that, uh, the question of Senzel and Eugenio Suarez right now because we've heard, I've heard, a lot of people keep asking. Suarez is playing great, you know, Suarez is. And I, and I wrote a piece a couple weeks ago for uh, Cincinnati Magazine, or I guess last week, about Suarez and about some of the encouraging signs that make you think that at least some of this, uh, that what we're seeing early in the season is real. I mean, he's not going to hit this well all, all season, but some of it, he's, he's made some, some improvements. You can tell uh, looking at some of the, uh, the analytics. And so everyone wants to know, wait a minute, I thought third base was Nick Senzel's. And my, my whole response to that has always been, slow down. Uh, you know, let Senzel get there first. He's still a ways away. When that problem comes up, the Reds can address it. But, you know, let's not, let's not just assume that we're ready to hand it to Senzel. Now, if Senzel becomes the guy that we expect him to be, you know, uh, one of those guys can move to second. One of those guys can, I mean, they're going to they're gonna find a place for both of them. If uh, if Sinzel turns out to be what he is, and Suarez continues to be what we hope he can be, you sort of feel that way. Yeah, and I, and I think that you touched on a very important point. Uh, you know, both of these guys can play elsewhere. You know, we've seen a Eugenio Suarez play shortstop. So even if you know you weren't sold that he was an everyday shortstop defensively, you probably believed that he could have played second base. Right. Uh, you, you you don't need quite as much range, and that arm that he's got is definitely going to make up for a little bit of. Uh, range issues if there would be any at second base. Um, you know, Nick Senzel played some second base in college. Um, you know, when he was drafted, some scouts were saying, hey, maybe you should try and give him a shot at second out of the gate anyways and see if it can work given how well his bat would play there. You know, I, uh, so, I saw, not to interrupt, but I saw his college coach actually was quoted right after the draft as saying the Reds should try him at shortstop. He said he, he, had, he had a shortstop they had that was better than Sinzel's. He pushed Sinzel over to third, but he, he wouldn't have been hesitant to put Sinzel at shortstop. He's, he, th- he thinks he could at least not uh, embarrass himself there. So, but, so you'd think second base, uh, is, that's you know not a foregone conclusion, but that, he, that he's athletically capable of it. Yeah, well, I mean, Sinzel actually played, I think it was like, there were like two, a two-week stretch in his, his junior year where he actually did play shortstop. I think his coach was trying to just put it out there to give some teams some ideas that, hey, maybe this guy can do that. Uh, as you said, so you know, definitely athletic enough to play at least second base. Uh, I, I probably don't. I wouldn't put him at shortstop personally, no. but you know, the the athleticism is there that you know you can move him around if you need to. If Suarez continues to do what he's doing now, you're not you're not going to move him off of that position. Um, now, whether he continues to you know OPS a thousand or not, it's a completely different kind of question. Uh, but you know, if if he does, you know. You're not moving him for an unproven player. It's just that's not going to happen. So the Reds would have to find something else to do with Nick Senzel if that were to continue. Yeah, but again, what a great problem to have. Too many good players. and, and yeah, both... I'm, sure, I'm sure the Reds would not be upset having to make that kind of decision. <laughs> yes, please, please let me have to make that decision. Um, but again, it's it's really, 
it's nothing to get concerned about because either of those guys could move somewhere else. Both of them are capable of it. And, and, you know, the, uh, the quote that I always use in this situation is, is one from, um, not, I don't know that it's anyone's favorite president, but uh, Calvin Coolidge, uh, I believe it was, used to say, if you have 10 problems rolling down the street at you, uh, be patient. Nine of them are going to roll into the ditch and you're going to deal with one. Don't let's not create a problem before we have a problem. And so, it will work itself out. If those guys are, are legitimate major leaguers, they'll they'll figure it out. So, um, but but you haven't seen anything from Sinzel so far this year that makes you think he's not uh, what they say he is. I guess. No, I I, I haven't seen him play since spring training. Um, so since the season started, I have not had eyes on him. But between everything that I saw last year in Dayton and what I saw in spring training, I I would be downright shocked if he's not at least an above-average major league player. I mean, he just, everything he does stands out. It, I, I really don't know if I've seen a better prospect come through the red system. Um, I mean, since you had, you know, Jay Bruce, right, yeah. you know, at it, it, it 21 years old, hitting 350 in AAA. <laughs> I, I mean, as, as a prospect, you know, Nick Senzel looks better than Joey Votto did as a prospect. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to be Joey Votto, Joey Votto is—he's one of those guys that went from you know good quality prospect and then got to the majors and just shattered what everybody figured his ceiling was. Um, so I, I don't think he's going to be you know Joey Votto good as a major leaguer, but as a minor league guy, he looks a lot better than Joey Votto did. You don't have to be as good as Joey Votto to be a good major league player. Uh, no, there's 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 probably only like ten guys that are as good as Joey Votto. So right, you know. right, <laughs> including Billy Hamilton, right? No, we're not going to talk about Billy Hamilton right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you look at look at Senzel, and we'll, and we'll move on in just a moment. Um, but you look at Senzel; it's only been 101 games. I think it's tonight's his 102nd game. Career minor league on base percentage 383. I mean, this is a guy. He's he's before the the draft. Everyone said he's the most polished hitter in the draft, and he's done to to my mind. And again, I'm not I'm not focusing on it as as uh, closely as you are, but done nothing that I can see to dispel that that notion. No, I mean, he, he goes to the plate with a good understanding of what he's going to do. Uh, you know, he, he uses the whole field. He gets the strike zone. Uh, you know, he hasn't hit for too much power this year. He's playing in the Florida State League, which, for those of you who don't know, it's easily the toughest place to hit for power in all of minor league baseball. Uh, you know, most guys don't hit for power there. Um, but, you know, I, I, that's it's going to come for him. So I, I think that if you're looking for something, that might be the thing that you notice. But you know, you have to have the context of what league he's playing in to kind of put that whole notion to bed. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's move away from Sinzel, although I'd like to keep talking about him because that's a guy <laughs> that, that excites me. Uh, but, but the next guy I want to ask you about, and, and uh, this is one that Reds fans are going to be familiar with because he did make his Major League debut this year. I th- believe you had him number two in your uh, preseason uh, rankings, and that's Jesse Winker. Uh, a lot of us were hoping Winker would uh, win a spot on the Major League roster to start the year, and that didn't happen, and I get it. But uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on Winker? Well, he has not hit for power since he's gotten to AAA. I mean, it's, it just has not happened. It's not, coming, based, back. It's not coming back this year? The wrist is not uh, healing and he's not getting, getting, getting any more power? You know, I, I, I really don't think that it's the wrist. Uh, I've talked with some people recently. Uh, apparently he is working on trying to use his lower half a lot more in his swing. Um, I guess it's it's a flaw that they noticed that he was kind of using too much of his upper body, uh, and so you know it was holding back the power. Um, now, 
Five doubles, gonna, five doubles, no homer so far this year. Yeah, I mean, the, the power just has not shown up since he got the AAA. And, you know, he, he did deal with a wrist injury last year. So I mean, that probably has a little bit to do with it. But I, I, I do think there's something more to it than just the wrist at this point. I'm not overly concerned about it because I have seen him hit for power in the past. Um, but I, I think that there definitely is some work that needs to be done to kind of rework what he's doing with his swing. And to, and to his credit and the coach's credit in, in Louisville, they, they are working on trying to figure out a, a way to get more out of him uh, as far as power goes. Uh, hasn't happened yet. But you know that, that really is the only thing holding him back at this point. You know, I... The, the guy walks as often as he strikes out. He uses the whole field. He's going to hit for average. He's going to get on base. Um, you know, how much he's going to get on base all depends on the power. If, if pitchers aren't afraid to throw him strikes, you know, the walks probably will dry up a little bit. But at the same time, he's probably going to strike out less, too. So It seems you know, to me they're, that, they're, that Winker oh. is, and tell me if I'm crazy on this, but he seems to me to be the safest bet of any of these guys sort of in the top ten in terms of, He's probably going to be at least an average major league guy because he can get on base a little bit. I mean, he's at, least, at least you can feel comfortable he's going to contribute to the major league uh, team at some point. Is that no? Yeah, well, I I, I agree and disagree at the same time. I still think that Nick Senzel, even being further away, is the safest guy to be an average yeah. big leaguer. Just because I mean, I, I just that I just think that guy can absolutely flat out play, but. Uh, as far as hitters go, you know, Jesse Winker, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to hit. He's going to get on base. Um, as a quarter outfielder, though, if he's only going to hit, let's let's just throw a number out there. He's going to hit seven or eight home runs. You know, he's not going to play enough to be an average major league player. He's not going to have good, played good enough defense to justify being out there, I guess, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, it. if he's not going to hit for enough power, um, he's definitely not going to play enough in the corner outfield where – you know, if you're going to hit, you know, eight to ten home runs, you better be a center fielder who's playing left field and providing massive amounts of defensive value. Yeah. Uh, well, I expect, you know, I thought we might see Winker starting in the big leagues by the end of this season. Uh, the way Shebl- Scott Shebler and uh, Adam Duvall are playing, that may or may not happen. But but his time's coming uh, very soon, was he? I think he's 23 now. Yeah. And, it, and you know, kind of like what we talked about with Nick Senzel, you know, if Adam Duvall and Scott Shebler keep playing well, you know, that too much talent thing isn't a problem. So, right. yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, they, the Reds will find a way to uh, to get there. Um, so I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I feel like he didn't have a whole lot else to prove uh, on the minor league level. Not not that he was the perfect, uh, you know, that he had to be in the major leagues. I guess he still has some things to work on, but. He was a guy I was really hoping to see because the Reds have a, a relative. There's a relative scarcity in Cincinnati of guys that really know how to work the strike zone and and how to get on base and just love the idea of having Winker who just has an idea at the plate. Uh, I, I look forward to seeing him in the lineup, a guy that can get on base. Yeah, I, I'm, I've always kind of envisioned him batting right in front of Joey Votto, and yeah. I mean, even as even as two lefties, you know, Joey Votto doesn't have an issue with lefties. So you know, even even though we see some managers worry about things like that. A guy who can really get on base in front of Joey Votto is just something that I've dreamt about since uh, Shinsu Chu left Cincinnati. So, Right, really an ideal number two hitter, or even a number one hitter, but the Reds already have the best uh, leadoff hitter in the game. Um, so probably a number two hitter. Uh, we got to address your mailbag today, Doug. I'm sorry. I just I can't, <laughs> let, I can't let it go. Okay. You had a question in there about uh, Billy Hamilton and, and whether 
it was actually true that Billy Hamilton's the greatest player in baseball, and you you said no. I mean, what what's that all about? How, how are we supposed to trust your judgment if that's your uh, analysis of uh, clearly the best player in baseball, Billy mm-hmm. Hamilton? Because Mike Trout is better at baseball. Oh, get out of here! You're crazy. Uh, have you watched Billy Hamilton play? I have. I've actually watched him quite a bit. Um, now, to be fair, I, I did say that Billy Hamilton might be the best defensive player in baseball, well, which, were... which I fully believe he, he he very well may be. Yeah, um, I know. We, well, everybody that comes on here has to make fun of my. Uh my obsession with Billy Hamilton. And that's that's fine because he's certainly the most exciting player in baseball in my mind if and when and he gets I, on base. I will not argue that one. I What he does sometimes, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, some of the plays that he makes, both in the field, on the bases, it's it's unbelievable. So, Okay, you've talked me into it, Doug. I would trade Billy Hamilton for Mike Trout straight up. <sighs> well... <laughs> You know, if you could just get Bob Castellini to yeah. open up the uh, pocketbook and Mike Trout's thirty-five million dollars a year, and then some, also somehow also convince the Angels to make that trade. Right. You know, I, I would back that as much as I possibly could. Well, not to not to talk make this a Mike Trout podcast, but uh, he would be worth far more than uh, thirty-five million a year, frankly. Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm sort of moving down your prospect rankings here um, in a way, but. Uh, there are some interesting names up here at the top that I think it's interesting to talk about. And, and one of those is a guy that's been in the big leagues for most of the season, I guess all the season, uh, and that's Robert Stevenson. You had him number three on your, uh, I guess, preseason top 25 list uh, or top uh, 30 list, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, Robert Stevenson, what are we to make of, of uh, his season so far and, and where he currently stands as a quote-unquote prospect? Well, he technically does not qualify as a prospect so anymore. He's, he's, he's graduated. He just graduated. Um, but you know, what's weird with Robert Stevenson's season is he's had three outings where he's really struggled this year. The first outing of the season, um, he went nearly two weeks without pitching between the time, last time he pitched in spring training and that outing. And he, I mean, he he just didn't have it that night. Uh, he he got roughed up. He walked four batters, um, and then one of his other really bad outings. He had pitched two-thirds of an inning in 11 days between outings. So another time where he was barely used for almost two weeks, really struggled, got hit around. Uh, other than that, he's actually pitched fairly well this season. Um, you know, the stuff is there. If you watch Robert Stevenson pitch, you can see him throwing three pitches that are absolutely filthy when he can locate them. And that, that's kind of been the issue with Robert Stevenson for the past couple of years now, is just the inconsistency that he's had within the strike zone. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. And, and what you just said is exactly the point I was going to make. Uh, for the first time, I've really gotten to watch over the last little bit Stevenson and Cody Reed and Amir Garrett pitch uh, against big league hitters and uh, really gotten to sort of watch them and study them a little bit. And those are, well, I guess, what we would call the big three in some ways of Red starting pitcher prospects and Garrett has been amazing been fantastic as a rookie this year uh, Reed has struggled but he's also looked good at times and I'm a huge fan of Cody Reed I'm not off the Cody Reed bandwagon but I watched Robert Stevenson and I really hadn't watched him I watched a little bit last year when he was with the Reds I really hadn't paid a whole lot of attention to him there have been a couple of times this year when uh, I've watched Stevenson and I've been like oh, oh my oh my goodness this guy has by far the best stuff of any of those young guys. I mean, just blowing my mind with the way he could move the ball 
and uh, just unable to hit his spots. So that when he is hitting his spots, the guy's untouchable almost. Uh, but he's had trouble his whole career hitting those spots and, and, and with the command. You know, I'm not not ready to give up. Let's not. Let's not. Uh, I don't want to say that, but is he going to? Because he's really struggled his whole career, has he not? With uh, with the command issues, it, it it has not been his whole career. Um, when he was in A ball, he barely walked anybody. Um, it's when he got to Double A that he really started to struggle. And it, it was. I'm telling you right now, Chad. It was not one of those things where double a hitters weren't chasing pitches as often i mean he just did not he could not locate his fastball anymore when he got there um i mean i would watch him in dayton i mean locate at the knees on the black inside and outside all game long i mean he had control back then and something something changed and i i I wish i knew what it was so i could call somebody and tell him um but uh whatever it was Something changed, and he has really struggled to throw strikes ever since he got to Double A, and that's been pretty much the last two and a half seasons. And you've seen stretches where he's he's had relatively solid control, uh, but he has not been able to put it together for more than a few weeks at a time, where he's consistently been able to locate his fastball. And if he can't work off of his fastball, it really negates how good his curveball and his splitter are. So, you know. I mean, I, I, I'm sitting here shrugging my shoulders right now because I, I, I really don't know what what else to say with that. I mean, the Reds have clearly tried to work with him over the past couple of years to improve that. Um, and I, I think that one of the interesting things right now is that I think the Reds feel that they're making some progress with him there. You know, they, they just called up Liso Verto Bonilla to make a start on Saturday in San Francisco rather than give it to Robert Stevenson. Uh, you know, they've kind of said since the beginning of the year that Long-term, they still see him as a starting pitcher, but they want to keep him in the bullpen and working with the big league coaches right now. So whatever it is that they're working on, I think that they're seeing progress that they like, but they're not ready to make that move just yet. They want to keep working on it with whatever plan they've got right now. Um, you know, whatever it is that he's working on and who he's working with, because, uh, you know, he, he, worked, he worked with Ted Power last year in AAA for a little bit, and now he is in the big leagues. Um, you know they've got Brian Price there, who's the former big league pitching coach. They got Mag Jenkins, who's worked with Stevenson in the minor leagues for a while when he was the minor league pitching coordinator. Uh, so there's a lot of guys very familiar with Robert Stevenson up there right now. Um, and we've seen so. some real flashes from him. You know, he had a good outing against the Giants the other day. One of the Cubs games, I think he had a a pretty good outing. Um, yeah, we see flashes, and that's an that's an interesting point that maybe they want to keep these uh, big league coaches working with him because, I, to me, just having seen all of them, there's no question in my mind this guy has. Well, there's a reason he was the top prospect for so long. His stuff is incredible. Um, I just just hope he can learn to uh, to locate because wow, um, I guess I'm I'm higher on him now after having watched him, and he's he's struggled uh, for a good part of the time in the big leagues. But I, after actually getting a chance to watch him, I can see with my own eyes why this guy's are, are the real deal. Um, so I'm excited about him. You think you think he is going to be a starter, though? You think the Reds are uh, just paying lip service to that, or do you think he really uh, that's that's his long term destination? I mean, it really is up in the air. I think that the Reds plan to have him start if he can find the control. Obviously, if he can't find the control, you can't put him out there every five days. Um, but if if he can throw just enough strikes that 
you know, he can walk under four batters per nine innings, then yes, I, I think that he'll be a starter. Um, now, <laughs> the big question is, can he get there? Yeah, and well. I, I guess we're just going to have to wait and find out. Yeah, he's a young pitcher. He'll get it or he won't get it. We'll, you know, we'll find out. Now, let me ask you this question, and that's as unfair, maybe, because I'm, I'm dropping it on you without preparing you ahead of time, but... Let's to be say, fair, th- this is my job to know all of these things. So, you know, I understand, and, and that's why we—I uh, love talking to you because I'm coming in completely unprepared. Well, I'm acting like I prepare for any of these podcasts, but uh, <laughs> but on this one, more unprepared than usual, and so uh, really leaning on you. But let's say the let's say the season ended today. First of all, um, hey, the Reds finished in second place. Woo-hoo. But <laughs> right, yeah, we'll take that. Um, Say the season ended today. Who's the most valuable player, or the the Reds minor league player of the year across all uh, all levels? Oh goodness! Um, <laughs> yeah, so much for me being prepared and this being my job, huh? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I know it's unfair. Uh, there was there was a guy that I think that I figured you I, would uh, would answer. I, I wanted to see I, if it's the same guy I'm thinking. I, I mean, really, I. It, it, it'd be tough to give it to somebody else other than Tyler Malley. That's the um, guy. Yeah, that's who I, I mean, th- figured you would guess. Or you'd he's, say. he's been so good this year. I mean, he's <laughs> the kid threw a perfect game. I mean, you know, one you don't you don't see that too often, anyways. But I mean, he took a no hitter through five innings and two other starts before that. I mean, he's just absolutely dominated uh, in Double A so far. I mean, I think that his worst outing was something like he, he gave up two runs in five innings. I mean, he's just been absolutely incredible for Pensacola this year. Let's talk about quickly why, and of course he's at AA Pensacola, Tyler uh, Molly, um, pitcher, obviously. Let's talk about that perfect game, 2022, I believe, uh, years old, so uh, still a young guy. Uh, Seventh-round draft pick uh, back in uh, 2013. And, And the thing about that perfect game was, I don't remember how many pitches he threw, but the reason you don't see that too often is because how many double-A pitchers can uh, stick around for as many pitches as it takes to pitch a full nine-inning uh, perfect game? Um, and he pitched some crazy do, – do you remember how many pitches he threw in that game? It was 88 pitches, <laughs> 60, 68 strikes. Yeah, see, that's Greg Maddox. You yeah, know? I mean, it, it really, like, he threw – I mean, I don't have the exact number, but he probably threw a fastball 75% of the time in that game. And, I mean, he was just locating it exactly where he wanted it all night long. Can you give um, some of that uh, to Robert Stevenson? <laughs> I, I wish it were that easy. I mean, yeah. if you could just, like, you know, chop bits and pieces of people's talents here and there, I mean, well, nobody would ever hit a baseball again, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, what an amazing year for that guy. And and you got to think he's uh, bound for AAA at some point. He's, and he won't turn 23 until the end of September. I mean, this is a young guy still. Yeah, he's uh, – He's definitely young for the level that he's at right now, um, and he's absolutely been filthy. Is there uh, any reason? Let me let, let me frame it this way: Is there any okay. reason we should not be thinking of Tyler Molly in the same conversation with the guys we've already talked about, Garrett, uh, Cody Reed, Robert Stevenson, and then after rookie Davis, Sal Romano in that group? Is there any reason that Tyler Molly should not be in that group of, of guys? I mean, I, I wouldn't put rookie Davis in that group of guys either. Um, but I, I don't think that I put Tyler in that in that conversation. Um, I, I, secondary stuff wise, he, he just does not match up with those other guys. Uh, I, I think that's the the biggest thing that's kept a guy like him who has put up really good numbers throughout his entire career. He throws a lot of strikes. Um, his secondary stuff is it. I don't want to say it's bad because it's not. 
but it's not good either. It's mostly just kind of fringe average. So maybe um, he's a candidate to sort of hit a wall as he gets up to the higher levels. I'm, yeah, um, and that's not to say I don't think he could be a big league starting pitcher. I think he could. Yeah, that's not but a criticism. I, I, but I, I think that you're looking at maybe more of a, a good number three, solid number four kind of guy, um, unless he takes a step forward that scouts that I've talked to, um, things that I've seen, you know, I, I, we don't really see that, that step with the secondary stuff. Usually you'll see a guy flash something with a breaking ball, you know, um, even if he doesn't throw it that good all the time, you, you'll see it every now and again. You don't really see that with his secondary stuff. Um, and so nobody I've talked to has really said, you know, we think this guy's got a future, you know, above-average breaking ball. Uh, that that put-away pitch that he could get in the major leagues. Uh, now, sometimes guys with really good control, like he has, um, you know, they can let their stuff play up in the major leagues, and you just, it's tougher to project that way because you never really know how major leaguers are going to handle, uh, you know, a good control kind of guy who is you know, be able to paint the corners with his fastball, so to speak, um, and t- until they get there. You know, sometimes that just plays better um, than, than you expect it to, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, so I, I, I don't think that I put him with, you know, those guys that you mentioned, guys like Louis Castillo, who we got in the uh, Dan Straley trade, a guy like Vladimir Gutierrez, uh, one of the big Cuban guys that we signed last year. I, I think that he's a step down from those guys, Um now, with that said, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, one day we look back, let's say, eight years from now, and he puts up the kind of numbers that all of those guys do in the big leagues because, you know, throwing a fastball for strikes, that's the number one thing that every pitcher needs to do because right. you throw your fastball 65 70% of the time. Um, so Yeah, no know. doubt. You know, and, and it, it sort of harkens back to me to something that our, our friend Jason Linder wrote at Red Leg Nation this week, which was results versus uh, potential or uh, you know at some point you have to have results a guy like Robert Stevenson has been loaded with potential and you can see it with your own eyes uh, Molly's a guy who's never sort of had that uh, that label but on the other hand he keeps getting results he's you know 88 games into his uh, career in a professional baseball career and his ERA is below three um, as crude a numbers that can be but still it's a guy that has had success and so um, is he going to be a number one starter? No, probably not. Is he going to be a two? Probably not. Three or four, though, you know, I could, if he's a number three starter, sign me up, you know. Yeah, I mean, definitely the, you know, results versus potential thing. It, the younger you are, the more your potential matters. The older you are, the less that it matters. Um, and with him, it, he's definitely, he's not incredibly young. I mean, he's definitely young for where he's at right now, but He's 22 years old, um, and so he's getting to that point where the results are starting to matter a little bit more than they used to uh, because he's facing better competition, and what he's been doing, has, it, I mean, it's still working for him. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think we're going to see him this year. Uh, I, I just think that there's right. a 40, 40 man roster crunch um, with the way that the, the, the Reds are right now, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw him early next year at some point. Fascinating name, though, to watch for those of you that are uh, really not following the minor leagues. Very closely, certainly not as closely as Doug. He's a pretty he's a pretty interesting name to watch over the next couple of years, though. I would say. Um, two other guys you just mentioned that I wanted to dip into before I forgot uh, them because because uh, I agree that there's interesting prospects as well. And uh, and since you mentioned, let's dip into them. Number one, Luis Castillo, <laughs> the guy the Reds got. Oh man, this is you know uh, we, we talked about Eugenio Suarez earlier and how the Reds got 
and I, every time I think of him, I think about how the Reds got him for the corpse of Alfredo Simon. And, and Castillo came over in the Dan Straley deal, I guess. And uh, and I, I'm a fan of Dan Straley. You know, he, he had a good year for the Reds uh, for what he provided. But wow, um, this is a guy that Reds fans should probably uh, be a little excited about, don't you think? Absolutely, I, I, I'm with you. When I when I think that the Reds got this guy for Dan Straley, I I almost laugh. I mean, it seems it's, impossible. It, it really does. It, that's not taking any anything away from Dan Straley at all. I, I think that he's a very solid big league pitcher, and you know he got up to a great start this year uh, with with Miami. But you know, Louis Castillo is a guy who, I mean, right now for for Double A Pensacola, he's got an ERA of three point zero zero through seven starts. 39 innings pitched. He's walked five guys. He's got 36 wow. strikeouts. He throws 100 miles an hour. I mean, generally all? speaking, he's, he's going to be a guy who sits 95 to 97 miles an hour for the entire game, and he'll touch higher than that. Uh, he throws strikes. I mean, <laughs> you, you, uh, this is a, for Dan Straley. For, it's, not like, it's not like they traded Johnny Cueto with a couple years left on his contract for this guy. They traded Dan Straley for this guy. And again, you talk about results versus potential. This is a guy. You see a guy with a hundred mile per hour fastball, and you think, "Oh, you know, there's some, plenty of potential there." This is a guy. 162 minor league games, 2.7 ERA. I mean, um, <laughs> okay. What, let me, how about this? What's what's this guy's? What's Castillo's? Luis Castillo's ceiling. I mean, realistically, I, I think that his ceiling. If we're going to talk about if everything goes just right for him, he could be an ace. Uh, I actually wrote about it this uh, this afternoon. Uh, shameless plug, RedsMinorLeagues.com. Um, but they were talking with his pitching coach in in Double A, Danny Darwin. After his start last night, he struck out ten batters without a walk in seven innings. And Danny Darwin said that you know they've been working on him, you know, or working with him on his slider. They changed his grip up a little bit. Now, when he was traded for, everybody thought that his slider was his best secondary pitch. It's a potential above average to plus offering, depending on who he asked. You know, the big thing was, you know, he's got to change up, but it's a little bit firm right now. You know, he needs to work on it a little bit. Well, Danny Darwin called his change up last night a plus pitch. So depending on who you ask, we're talking about a guy with two plus secondary offerings who can also throw in the upper 90s consistently and throw strikes. I mean, who who does that sound like? I mean, can you can you think of too many starting pitchers that can do that? Because I can't. No, we've not seen uh, very many of those. Uh, Seems like a guy that could be in the big leagues by the end of the year, you think? I, I think so. I mean, he's on the 40-man roster already, so if nothing else, I'd be surprised if we didn't see him in September. Right. Um, but with the way he's pitching right now, I'm not going to be surprised if he's not in AAA soon enough. And, um, I mean, I the, the Reds are expecting guys to come back in that June-July time frame off of the disabled list. So you, you never know how spots are going to be opened up or not. Um, but, I mean, the, the kid's got an incredible arm, and so far the results are backing all of that up. So, you know... It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if we saw him before September. I can't wait. Looking forward to it. Uh, the other guy you mentioned a moment ago that I thought we uh, ought to touch on is uh, someone you wrote about uh, recently at, again, shameless plug, RedsMinorLeagues.com. Go to RedsMinorLeagues.com every single day, guys, uh, to, to follow what Doug, Doug is, uh, is writing about the uh, all these guys that he's paying attention to when you and I are trying to sleep. Um, Vladimir Gutierrez. Now, a lot of Reds fans are going to say who? Uh, why don't you give us the, the, the quick bio on Vladimir Gutierrez? Well, he 
came over from Cuba, and he signed with the Reds last year uh, at the very end of August. Yeah, late in the year, right, yeah. Yeah, for $4.75 million. But because of the way the system's set up, they actually had to pay that exact same amount as a fine to Major League Baseball. Right. So they invested $9.5 million to sign this kid, even though he only got half of that, which... You know, I'm going to go on a little tangent. It's absolutely ridiculous that Major League Baseball does this. Like, if a team's willing to pay $9.5 million, $9 million for a baseball player, the player should get all of that money. But that's a different story for a different day. Um, now, when he was in Cuba, he did pitch as a reliever. Now, he was only 17 and 18 years old, so you can understand why he was used as a reliever. He was on the same team with guys that were in their 20s and 30s. So the seniority thing kind of came up. Uh, now, if you compare what he did as an 18-year-old to what guys like Rysel Iglesias did, what guys like Aurora Chapman did, he pitched better at the same age than they did in the Cuban professional leagues. Uh, more strikeouts, less walks, better ERA. Uh, wow. Now, that's I, I don't want to say that he's going to be as good as those guys because if you've watched any baseball in the past two years, three years, you understand that those two guys might be two of the best five relievers in all of baseball. Yeah, those guys are stars. They've got incredibly insane stuff. But so does Vladimir Gutierrez. Uh, he has now made six starts for Daytona, which is advanced A-ball. Um, the first two starts did not go well. Um, but his pitching coach down there, Tom Brown, not to be confused with Tom Browning, who has been a pitching coach in the past for the Reds, uh, convinced him to rely on his changeup a little bit more. And since he's done that, he has absolutely just shut teams down. Um, on the season, he's pitched 31.2 innings. He's got five walks, 42 strikeouts. So he's walking absolutely nobody and striking everybody out. Uh, this is a guy, he pretty much sits 92 to 96. He'll touch higher. Uh, really good breaking ball. You know, now that he's throwing his changeup with confidence, really good changeup. Um, you know, he's a guy who, despite the fact that he's got incredible stuff, he changes his arm angle a little bit, too, when he throws, just to give guys different looks. Um, so, you know, kind of like what Rysel Iglesias does, kind of like what Bronson Arroyo does. Um, another guy, I think, that could be on the fast track to the big leagues. Uh, I mean, the stuff's there. Um, I, he's only walked five guys, and I, I don't want to say that he's, you know, a really good command pitcher, uh, but he's definitely in the strike zone very often. Um I, I don't think he's going to be a guy who you're going to confuse with, say, Cliff Lee in his prime, who can literally throw every pitch where he wants exactly when and where he wants. But I, I don't think there's going to be any control problems with him either. I just I just wanted to point out the, the little difference. Like, I, I don't think he's going to keep such a low walk rate, but he's not a guy that we should be concerned about uh, as far as you know walking batters go. Well, there's one other guy that I want to talk to you about, and then I'll let you uh, decide who we're talking about. But uh, this next guy's a pitcher as well. And before we get into him, you know, the Reds' uh, big league team this year, the offense has been one of the top three probably in baseball. I think they're third and run scored in baseball. The, the bullpen's been fantastic. The starting pitchers have been not so great. But, man, I'm seeing so many of these guys. you got to think some of them are going to pan out, that it makes you think that uh, – they'll be able to cobble together a starting rotation at some point of some pretty good pitchers. Uh, you know, am, am I – are you as confident as I am or as hopeful as I am about the fact the Reds are going to be able to put together a pretty good rotation over the next couple of years? I mean, I'm definitely as hopeful as you are because, I mean, I, I hope that it all happens and works out great for the Reds. But, no, I, I think that I'm with you. There's, 
you know, every starting pitching prospect isn't going to work out. I mean, between injuries and just the transition to Major League Baseball, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it, it baseball is incredibly difficult. Um, but with the sheer amount of really good arms the Reds have, I would be beyond surprised if they didn't have five very good starting pitchers uh, in their rotation over the next two or three years. Yeah, just uh, a, I mean, the quantity of good arms seems like it, it would be very difficult for them not to just sort of accidentally have a pretty good rotation. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, just look at the disabled list right now. I mean, you know, Homer Bailey. I mean, we don't Ooh. know what we don't know what we're going to get from him. Oh, but I remember he, Homer Bailey. If, yeah. if, if he's remotely close to the guy he was for the you know two and a half years before he got injured, you know, that's quality pitcher. Mm-hmm. Brandon Finnegan, Anthony Scalfani. Uh, I mean, you know, we've seen what Amir Garrett's been able to do, uh, you know, and then all the guys we've talked about so far today. I mean, there's just there's so many different options that the Reds can go to if somebody doesn't work out that, you know, it would just be really surprising if they couldn't find five of those guys to stick over the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Now, we, we talked as well about the guys who have made their major league debut for the Reds this year, and to me, none of those debuts were more electrifying, more eye-opening than that of Ariel Hernandez. Tell me about uh, Ariel Hernandez, who's back uh, down in Double A, Pensacola. Well, I, I've said it, and I've caught some some uh, heat for saying it, but I, I stand by it. He's got the best pure arm I've ever seen. Now, I've seen Aroldis Chapman. I, I've seen, I mean, well, I guess I've seen Aroldis Chapman, who I feel was probably nearer at the top of everybody else's list. Um, but I, I think overall he's got a better pure arm than Aroldis Chapman does. Um, does does he have a better arm than Billy Hamilton? Yes. Oh, yes get does. out of town, Doug Gray. <laughs> Why do I even let you come on this podcast? Good grief. It's probably those big checks that I pay you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's that's high praise for this guy. For a guy who was – I mean, the Reds got him for – uh, out of the frontier tier league, basically. I mean, you know, he was in they, independent ball at, some, at one point, wasn't he? That's not where the Reds he, got him, but that's where he was. No, he, he was. He, he pitched like two innings, and then he got snatched up because, well, somebody saw him pitch and was like, hey, uh, no, why aren't you playing for us? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but, no, the Reds actually got him in the AAA version of the Rule 5 Rule draft, five, yeah. which cost them all of $12,500. It's because so, uh, well, he was with the Diamondbacks, right? And they, they just didn't protect him because he was – not worth protecting in their mind, wasn't it the Diamondbacks? Yes, and basically what that means is that after the, you know, for the Major League version, you all of your guys on the 40-man roster are protected. For the AAA version, you had 33 more players in your minor league system who aren't on the 40-man roster to, quote-unquote, protect. So they, they didn't see him as somebody that another team would take a risk on as one of their top 73 players in the organization. Well, I guess the Reds decided that he was worth that to them. And it good thing it was because well if you saw the one game that he pitched um, yeah you understand why uh, now to be fair there is a reason that he was available you know he walked everybody he faced until he joined the Reds organization his his walk rate was over nine batters per nine innings pitched before he arrived in the Reds organization um, now. This season in Double A, he's walked 11 batters in 14.1 innings. Not a good walk rate at all. Uh, but you can see why, uh, you know, he's going to get his chances. If if he can throw strikes at I mean, any sort of 
reasonable rate, he's going to be absolutely unhittable. I mean, he's a guy, he's going to throw 95 to 100 miles an hour every night with the best curveball I've ever seen. And he doesn't throw it too often, but he's got a really good changeup too. So, I mean, well, he, like, he, like I said, it, it, it's the best arm I've ever seen, Chad. It, it really is. Um, I, 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 I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's it's incredible. Well, he was, you know, he was pushing not, uh, triple digits on the gun, the, the not he pitched for the Reds, but that curveball was the, the, the pitch that not just blew my, my mind, but blew everybody's mind. I think it was against the Brewers. Um, who just? I mean, it was, it was eye opening, and and he he seems to me to be like a guy who has with that kind of fastball, with that kind of uh, stuff, quote unquote. He would didn't have to improve his walk rate that much to become really an elite type of guy, and you know, there's a chance he may have taken that step. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about Ariel Hernandez, except that I cannot wait to see him uh, back in a Reds uniform. I mean, he's definitely a a pleasure to watch when he is on. Um, you know, it it doesn't matter what level he's pitching at. Uh, when he's throwing strikes, good luck. I mean, you're you're not going to do much. Um, but it, it's it's going to come down to whether he can throw enough strikes or not. Um, and I I I really don't know if he's going to be able to or not. Uh, I've seen enough flashes where he's gone. You know multiple outings in a row where he definitely had it. So it, it's it's in there. It's just finding that consistency. Um, but not everybody finds it. Um, yeah. ho- hopefully he can because uh, if he does, the Reds are probably going to have the best bullpen in the history of the world. Well, that's uh, that would be great to come out with the best uh, center fielder in the history of the world. Um, you mentioned a guy before we started recording, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess to you, I know almost nothing about him. And so you're going to have to educate me and our listening audience to one Tanner Rainey. I believe he's at uh, Daytona, right? Yes, he is. Um, he was a second-round pick in 2015. Um, the Reds decided that they were going to make him a starting pitcher and see what happened. He kind of relieved him in college a little bit, um, but you know he had multiple pitches. Uh, you know, big enough frame. He's six foot two, two hundred and thirty pounds. They gave it a shot. It did not work out. Uh, last year, he pitched in Dayton and had an ERA of five and a half. Uh, he walked sixty six batters in one hundred and three innings. Now he did strike out one hundred and thirteen guys. Uh, stuff has never been an issue for him. It was just another one of those guys that struggled to throw strikes. In early August, they decided to send him to the bullpen and see what happens. And uh, things went very, very well over the last three weeks of the season for him. Well, he went to Daytona this year, and from the very beginning, he pitched out of the bullpen. Well, we're, we're five weeks into the season right now, Chad, and uh, he struck out 30 batters, and he's walked two of the 62 batters he's faced. I'm looking at that now. Yeah, that's uh, He's that's given insane. up four, four hits in 17 and two-thirds innings. Uh, now, half of those have been home runs, so that, that part is kind of – you know, I guess you, you, you're probably not going to continue to be a good pitcher if your half of your hits are going for home runs, but I guess if you're going to give up four hits in 17 innings, you can make that work. Right. Um, but I, it, it's, it's just been, I mean, it's, it's easily been the biggest surprise um, of the early part of the season in the minor leagues. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a guy who had, he had a walk rate of nearly six batters per nine innings last year, and now he's walked two guys in 17 and two-thirds innings. Um he hit 100 miles an hour the other night. Um, I mean, he consistently throws in the upper 90s. Um, really good breaking ball. 
Um, if if he's going to throw strikes like this, it, he he's going to move quick. Um, you know, he's already 24 years old, so it, it's not like he's a young guy. He was a he was a senior when he was drafted, so he was already wow. 22 years old. Um, but you know, elite kind of stuff. Um, and you know, you you can fast track guys like this if if they're going to put up uh, the, the results that he has. Um, and the Reds have shown that they're not hesitant to move, you know, big stuff guys in a quick manner if if they show that they're ready. Um, so we we will see, but he is definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on uh, if you want to really track guys in the minor leagues. Um, some of the best stuff that is in the entire system, and the results are just laughable at this point. You know, so. that's a, we've we've talked for years, complained for years in some ways about. The Reds putting people in the bullpen, and I'm thinking primarily, of course, of Chapman, Araldus Chapman, when they could be a starter, and you know, starters are more valuable than relievers. But this right here, this guy, Tanner Rainey, looks to me to be a case study on a guy who, you know, yeah, if if, if a guy can be a starter, yeah, that's preferable. Not everybody can be a starter, and uh, and maybe he just needs to be in the bullpen. And uh, certainly, the results have shown. Wow, you know, I'm just looking at his stat line, and I'm overwhelmed. What a year! You know, 15, 15 appearances and uh, thirty strikeouts. Thirty strikeouts in seventeen and two thirds innings. My goodness! So, Tanner Rainey. Who else do we need to know about, uh, Doug? Who are who are some guys well, that you think we need to be paying attention to? Well, I actually don't think we've talked about anybody that's playing for the Dayton Dragons right now, and they've got a really interesting uh, position player squad. Um, we'll, we'll start off with. Uh, 2015's first round pick, Tyler Stevenson. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, he, he pretty much missed most of last season. Um, he had a concussion in late April that cost him a few weeks. Uh, and when he came back from that, he played for, I want to say, 13 days before he hurt his wrist. Um, that cost him several months. And he came back a few different times last year and tried to play through it. And neither time did it last for more than a week and a half before he went back to the disabled list. Um Ultimately, wound up having surgery to get his wrist repaired. Um, he he came out this season and he just looks like a completely different player. Um, he, I talked to him before the season started, um, right before the season started. He he had mentioned that you know one of the things that he was able to do last year while injured uh, was to just kind of sit back and think about the game that's going on. Uh, you know, when you're out there, there's so much going on, and especially as a catcher, like. He has so much on his shoulders that, you know, he wasn't able to really, you know, sit back and think about certain things during the game because he had to worry about, you know, everything else going on on the field. Um, And he said that, you know, thinking about certain things last year when, you know, he wasn't playing, when he didn't have all of those responsibilities really helped him out. Um, And I, I think that one of those things is, you know, at the plate, he has a much better idea of what's going on. Um, you know, he's, he, he, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm so glad you, you brought up Tyler Stevenson because that's the guy that I really, to me, is, is this is the most exciting story in all of Reds minor league baseball right now. The, the guy who was a first-round draft pick just, you know, just 2015. We're talking, you know, less than two years ago uh, out of high school. He's just 20 years old. And, uh, and you know, looking at his numbers so far this year, astounding on base percentage around 400, um, hitting with some pop. Uh, at his age, I mean, it, it, am, I, am I wrong? Is this the best story 
that this guy might be what they hoped he was when they drafted him. It, that's exciting to me. Yeah, I mean, he looks like, like I said, he looks like a completely different player. He's more confident. The ball is absolutely jumping off of his bat. Um, you know, he's got seven doubles and three home runs right now. Um, but just watching him, I mean, it looks like he's hitting the ball so hard all of the time, Chad. Um, I, I, I don't know how else to put it out there. I mean, it's, it, it's so impressive to see what he's done at the plate so far this year. Um, you know, he's got 15 walks and 21 strikeouts. I mean, you know, generally speaking, catchers have good plate discipline. I think it's from all the repetitiveness of catching pitches. You, you, you probably understand pitching and how to read pitches a little bit better as a catcher. But, uh, you know, again, it's just it's really impressive when you see young guys that have nearly as many walks as strikeouts. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that him taking a step forward this year, you know, basically after missing all of last year, um, it, it's very important for the Reds organization uh, when you look at it from, you know, the strength, quote-unquote, of their farm system. Um, you know, he's got all of the talent in the world, and he's getting the results now, too. Um, so it, it's definitely been one of the better stories so far uh, for, for the organization. Yeah, that's that's fun. Who else Who else would you be thinking about? Uh, I interrupted you there. Oh, well, that, that, that's fine. Um, you know, they've got their, – their outfield is very interesting. Um, TJ Friedel? He's well, a big right? They, Yes, they've got four guys that they kind of rotate. They, they use the DH uh, down in Dayton, um, and so they've been working four different guys in. There's Taylor Trammell, who was last year's supplemental first-round pick, uh, just 19. They've got TJ Friedel, and then they've got uh, Jose Siri and Michael Beltre. Now, we'll, we'll start off with uh, Taylor Trammell, who I'm literally watching leg out. Well, he's going for a triple right now. Um, and, oh, yeah, he's in there. The uh, football so both, player. The football player, yes, Trammell, right? Yeah, yeah, so both Taylor Trammell and TJ Friedel have uh, triples tonight in, in the Dayton game. Um, but Taylor Trammell, 19-year-old kid, lots and lots of tools. Um, you know, he's off to a, a solid start this season. Um, I, I don't have his updated stat line right this second, but coming into tonight, uh, he was hitting 252 with a 347 on base percentage, slugging 374, which is going to go up now because he just tripled, so... Uh, that's definitely going to improve. Um, but what's been really impressive is just watching him play. Like, um, in the field, he's probably limited to left field. He does not have a good arm. Um, so you definitely can't play him in right field. And he's absolutely, without question, fast enough to play center field. Um, but you're, you're definitely going to be giving up something playing his arm in center field. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to kind of watch that over the, over the years. But... Um, you know he's he's going to bring plenty of defensive value no matter where he's at. Obviously, you'd like him to play in center field because you don't have to hit nearly as much there. Um, but not hitting for a ton of power yet. He's only got two home runs. But I'm telling you right now, he's going to hit 20 home runs in the big leagues one day. Wow. Uh, the, the the ball carries off of his bat. He hit an opposite field home run the other day in Dayton. Uh, that, I mean, off the bat, you're like, oh, that's a that's a lazy pop up. But I mean, the ball just carries off of his bat. And I mean, we—I I don't want to make this comparison in terms of how good or what I, I guess how good he's going to be. But swing-wise, when you when you see him swing, he looks like Curtis Granderson. Uh, the the swing is very similar to that. If, if you haven't seen Taylor Trammell play, but have seen Curtis Granderson, that that's kind of the swing that he's got. Not um, bad. No, no, it is not. And uh, I mean, tons of speed for this kid. Um, but he's a very, very smart baseball player. Um, which isn't something that you tend to see from someone at his age. Uh, usually it's that's something that, you know, guys will pick up along the way. 
Um, you know, as, as they age and mature, they'll pick up things. But at 19 years old, he, he's very mature on and off of the field um, in terms of his baseball knowledge. Um, very, very likable guy off the field as well. Um, but super talented kid, and I, I think that he's probably one of the top prospects in the system right now. Not bad. Uh, and those other guys, uh, Friedel, uh, that's a pretty interesting group. Yeah, I mean, all four other guys can legitimately play center field, which I've actually had this conversation with a few people. Like, I'd be surprised if at any point in the entire history of the Cincinnati Reds organization that they had more speed than they do in the Dayton Dragons outfield right now. I mean, any organizational level they've ever had. I mean, all of these guys, I mean, they're not quite Billy Hamilton fast, but they're probably all just exactly. like one or two step behind him <laughs> in terms of speed. Oh, you know, who's Billy Hamilton fast in baseball? There, let's be real, there isn't anybody. Right. But, um, I mean, you know, right now you got you know, T.J. Friedel, uh, you know, undrafted free agent last year, made huge headlines, got the largest signing bonus for an undrafted free agent uh, that was born in America anyways uh, in the history of baseball. Um, you know, he, he's off to a solid start. He's hitting 260. He's getting on base. He's stealing bases, playing good defense. Uh, you know, they've got Michael Beltre, who I think is one of the more underrated guys in the system. Um, he's he'll be 22 this year. Um, uh, probably, I think I think he's a, a July birthday guy. Uh, but you know, he's not one of these guys who walks nearly as much as he strikes out. He's a switch hitter. Um, you know, he can play defense very well in all three spots. Um, you can steal you some bases, you know. And one of the guys that has really intrigued me this year was is Jose Siri. Uh, now, if you were following me when I was out in Arizona for spring training, uh, towards the end of spring training, I wrote about Jose Siri and how he just, he just looked different this year. Uh, last year, he had ten walks and a hundred strikeouts. Uh, that's a terrible ratio of walks to strikeouts. You're like it's, it, that'll never ever work. Um, you know, but I saw things in spring training where he was, he was staying back on pitches that he would have just swung, you know, just fearlessly at last year. Um, and you know, this year he's already got as many walks as he had all of last season. Wow. Uh, now he's not hitting right now. Uh, I, I'll be perfectly fair with that. He's hitting two eleven. Uh, he's got ten walks and twenty eight strikeouts, which you know that that's a fine ratio given uh, you know how many at bats in plate appearances he's had this year. Um, but he, he's not hitting yet. But I, I think the hitting is going to come if he can continue to control the strike zone the way that he has. Um, so if you happen to be at a Dayton Dragons game or, you know, they've got local games on TV in the Dayton area if you're if you're in the area, um, definitely keep an eye on him, even if you're looking at the numbers and thinking, oh, this guy's not a player. Definitely has a chance to be a very good player. Um, I was actually talking with a scout uh, the other day who said that he, from a pure tool standpoint, best player on the Dayton Dragons. Um, now, he wow, defi- definitely wasn't going to say he was the best prospect on the team, who he actually said was starting pitcher uh, Tony Santillan. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who, if everything goes right for him, I mean, he's got superstar potential. Now, tons of risk involved there, given, you know, his past. But sure. uh, definitely a guy who is impressive when you're looking at just those kinds of things. Good deal, good deal. All right, we, we sort of need to wrap up here soon. I want to get, ask you just one more name. One name that uh, Reds fans may or may not know, but uh, that uh, fans of the Big League Club need to need to be watching. Who's who's one more guy? Oh, boy, one more guy. That I know, we there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Um, 
Let's go with Jimmy Hergit. Jimmy Hergit, uh, uh, you pulled that Jimmy one. Jimmy Hergit. Wait a minute. I don't. I don't think there's a real person named Jimmy Hergit. I think you just made that name up. Well, if I did, I've got magical powers because I just created him. Um, but no, he he's a he's a relief pitcher who's currently in Pensacola. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that he pitched in a few games with the big league club in spring training. So maybe you, maybe you happen to see him. Um, but I didn't last, see him. I don't think he exists. Well, for the rest of you who do believe that I'm not lying to you, um, you know, definitely a guy that I think that we could see at some point this year. He, he's He's got a 2.57 ERA in Pensacola right now. He got 25 strikeouts and five walks in 14 innings. Um, last year, he dominated out of the bullpen for Daytona. You know, he's, I mean, he's probably the best reliever that the Reds have in the system right now. Nice. He's not on the not on the 40 man roster, uh, but he's he's a guy that I mean, he's got stuff. He's got results. Um, you know, could be in the mix. Yeah, definitely is going. I mean, he's going to be in the mix unless something, unless he gets hurt. Which I, you know, as a pitcher, that's always a possibility. But there's no reason to believe he's going to get hurt. Um, it, it's just, it's just a matter of when. Um, you know, as we mentioned earlier, with the 40-man roster crunch that the Reds are in, you know, maybe it's not a move they're going to make. Um, but if if they do get to the point where they need to, you know, make a legitimate bullpen move, I, I think that he's the guy that we're going to see. Um, I mean, he he's got the stuff. Absolutely dominated the minor leagues. Um, so that that would be the guy that I would say that among the, those guys that we have not talked about to really keep an eye on. There you go. You heard it here first, uh, Doug. This, that, that that was uh, that was a fun conversation. Uh, you need to follow Doug at DougDirt24 on Twitter. Uh, definitely read uh, RedsMinorLeagues.com every single day uh, to, to get to know these guys. And and you can decide for yourself when Doug throws these names out, whether he's making up these names or not. I, I don't know that I trust him uh, entirely, but uh, some of these guys I know are real, at least some of them. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you can follow us at RedLegNation. You can follow me on Twitter at DotsonC if you'd like. Go to RedLegNation.com every day to get all your uh, uh, Major League Reds news and analysis and uh, we have a good time following the reds every single day as we have for the last uh, this is our 13th season uh, covering the cincinnati reds you know um i really want to thank all of you for for downloading the podcast and listening to us you don't you got plenty of things you can uh, do to, to to waste away your time uh, entertainment wise and the fact that you have taken the time to uh, to download and listen here really it's it's humbling and i really do appreciate it you can, if you have any questions that you want us to ask on the on the podcast, email me at chaddotson at redlegnation.com. And uh, if you can go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your, your podcast, we're available everywhere. And leave us a rating, leave us a review, tell your friends. It helps other people find us, and uh, it really means a lot to me if you would do that. Now, unless you don't uh, like us, in which case, number one, why have you listened to this whole podcast? And number two... Uh, just keep your mouth shut if you don't like us. Doug, appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we'll do it again real soon. For Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.